you've brought a lot to the table, and hopefully the listener of this episode thinks differently mm-hmm. about what's going on. As Carol said, there's hope. There's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of organizations, along with the foundation, are just bubbling under the surface that we may not even know about, but it's good stuff happening. But what would you want to leave the, the, the listener with? Don't be afraid to ask. Have that conversation. If you're in the conversation, listen. You will know if somebody truly needs that help. Help them find their way. And don't be afraid. It's okay. Mental health stigma is going away. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios in the Brewery District, just south of downtown Columbus. This is Brett. Uh, with me is Carol, as, as always. And mental health well-being is a critical issue in our community and communities across the country. Today's expert guest is not new to our show, but comes with information that's critical to our welfare. It's David Polakowski. He is the new executive director of the Harding Buller Foundation based in Worthington. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I feel privileged in, in the fact that you said I'm an expert. I mean, uh, we, only, we, we only have experts on this show. We only have experts on this show. That's it. That's it. We don't. I, I was, the bar is high. I, I know. Was, I was getting nervous when Brett introduced me and then said mental mental well-being <laughs> right after. You started giggling. Whoops. I was like, oh, don't Whoops. start. Here we Whoops. go. Here we go. Whoops. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Sure. <laughs> David, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you both in person again. <laughs> we had a wonderful conversation to figure out what we were going to talk about today. So I'm excited. Now, in the past, you represented one of the local chambers of commerce, focusing on economic development and the communities for that chamber. Well, now you have returned to providing management of a nonprofit organization that focuses on mental health. Before we dive into the actual foundation, let's talk about you, your background, and this move to your new role. Well, it's funny because when I start telling up the years, it's almost 30 years that I've been doing nonprofit. Um, It is my true love, my heartstrings. You know, when I was at the chamber, it was great. I met great people. You two um, are at the top of that list. It was during a time, you know, I started... January 20th, and guess what happened? March of 20, this little pandemic thing. And I think as it went on, we really did well. Yes, I was the driving force, but I had great board members. I had great volunteers that helped with the input. We pivoted, uh, did online programming, and I could not wait to get back to in person. So I think when it came down to it, and I was actually approached by a recruiter for this position, I'm like, sure, why not? You know, but then as I thought about it mentally and has nothing to do with the mental health aspect, but I was exhausted. Um, We, we killed it for two and a half years and I just felt maybe it was time. Um, I'm the type of person I come in, hope to build an organization, rebuild an organization, then it's time to move on. And I think my purpose with uh, the Tri-Village Chamber Partnership was be there to help get it through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mother Nature, somebody knew that that was my purpose to be there. And then, I, then the call was made. Yeah. From it, the recruiter to get you mm-hmm. to where you are right now. 
So talk a little bit about that then. So, and it was interesting because I got an email from a recruiter and he's like, hey, I have this position open. I can't tell you who it is. It's an executive director. Here's the salary. And when I heard the salary, I was like, uh, when somebody offers you $20,000 more a year, you have to be like, all right, let's just chat. So he had my resume from when we moved down from Painesville. And uh, I was looking in at the mid to end of 2019 and coming back down here. So I must have applied for something because he said, can you please send me the updated resume? I have the one from Painesville. Um, it's been an interesting process. Um, I am their first full-time executive director. Um, the previous two have been part-time and more of executive secretaries. So that's a transition for them. Huge, huge yeah. change. Yes. And having somebody with 30 years of experience in nonprofit, um, we didn't have a true mission. We didn't have a true vision. We didn't have a website, <laughs> which, yeah, everybody, I would start telling people that I'm doing this and they're like, there's no information. I'm like, yeah, you just have to go to Facebook. So it was basically rebooting, starting a fresh with this nonprofit that sole purpose is focusing on mental health, wellness, education, and nutrition. Hmm. So a lot of people are familiar with Harding Hospital. Probably a lot aren't. They may know the name, but not what's going on. It served the community and is serving the community with mental health services for decades. Can you provide some background of Harding Hospital? You know, how did the Harding family take on the issue? How did it lead to the creation of this foundation? It's funny because we we had talked earlier. There's so much information. I'm basically dealing with 160 years of inf information and history of the family. Uh, let's try and keep it the short version. <laughs> so back in the late 1800s, Dr. George Tryon Harding the first and his wife Phoebe. Um, Hardings were originally Baptists. Phoebe was Methodist. Didn't believe that you should be baptized and immersed. So one day she went to a church meeting for this Seventh-day Adventist church, came back to George and said, there must be something right because he was telling us. So they then became um, Seventh-day Adventists. The unique thing in what everything the Harding family has done is the Seventh-day Adventist church is about wellness, nutrition, um, encouraging vegetarianism, it is always about living that healthy lifestyle, not only, you know, wellness, spiritually, holistically. Um, in back in the 1800s, you've heard of the Kellogg mm -hmm. Corporation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They started with this plant-based cereal. Um, so Phoebe started following them and that's when they became a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, Phoebe, ha Phoebe and George I had six or eight kids. Two died early. Um, and one of their children was this gentleman named, uh, Warren G. Harding. <laughs> I think we've Pres heard of him someplace. I think, yeah. think so. Somewhere, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was Warren G., President Harding's brother, George II, that actually started Harding Hospital in 1916. It was started in his house. He and his wife, Elsie, um, had six women. And one day Elsie's like, time to move out. We need to, um, you know, take this back over. So it was, it became to, uh, known as the Columbus Royal Rest Home. 
Um, they moved around 1917 to Hartman Farms, south of Columbus. Um, Hartman, mm. there's Hartman Park. Mm-hmm. And then in 1919, they purchased this 47 acres up in Worthington from the Hoster Brewing family. And it's funny because when they purchased it, the description I saw is it was a half-day carriage ride from Columbus. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So let that set so, in. So, so, so basically a half a day into Columbus, buy something really quickly and a half a day back home. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know, the hospital officially opened in 1920. Um, and one of the kickoffs was President Harding uh, kicked off his campaign on the front porch of what was known as the lodge. There were several buildings throughout uh, the 47 acres. Um, in 1925, and this is what Carol finds interesting and loves because we're both historical and love houses. Um, Brett, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. I think you I, you do too, don't I you? Think, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, 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 it's history. It's history. Exactly. 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 So the house was built in 1925, and it was actually built to recruit physicians and medical staff to the <laughs> hospital. Um, George II passed away in 1934. George III took over. He and his wife, um, Mary Virginia, Woolley Harding, um, actually moved into the house in 1927 after they got married. And they were the main matriarch and patriarch of the house until the 80s. Um, Mary Virginia was very much into gardening. So she was instrumental in helping to start and planning the Worthington Garden Club. And from 1933 to 1935, she was president. Um, So throughout the years, you know, the focus has always been you have that medical treatment, but what are the alternatives? Looking at horticulture, uh, music, art therapy is, you know, the way that this hospital was a trailblazer back then. Um, In 1939, so along that way, they started – they were purchasing food from the Kellogg brothers, their Sanitas company, which eventually, of course, became Kellogg. And it started to become too expensive because of the war. In 1939, they took a big risk. And actually, I got to talk to Richard Harding, who sits on my board today. Um, he's the youngest son of George III and Mary Virginia. And he said that his parents mortgaged the house um, because they started this special foods company at the hospital. And it was all, again, around wellness, nutrition, vegetarian. Um, And it grew to something we know today that was Worthington Foods. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very shocked to know that as I was learning the education because Worthington Foods was a staple until 1999. And... You heard of this little Morningstar Farms? Mm-hmm. It was started under Worthington Foods. Okay. So Worthington Foods in the 70s was purchased by Miles Laboratory uh, with a first right of refusal. And um, in 1980s, it was purchased back for $8 to $9 million. So, you know, the foundation was actually started in 1959 as the Harding Evans Foundation. It was raising funds to help advancements in educating and training of medical staff and staff at the hospital in assisting in patients. And as we know, as insurance developed and 
stays were, you know, allotted and then shortened, um, things were changing. In the eight in the early two thousands we became the Harding Heritage Foundation. And then in twenty eighteen we officially became the Harding Buller Foundation. So the Buller part of our foundation is Allen. Allen um after high school went to work again for the um Battle Creek Sanitarium in Miami, which I forgot to mention the Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan was ran by the Kellogg brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so he went down to Miami, Florida, and trained under the one of the Kellogg brothers. So the Kelloggs have been part of this family and this friendship for years. Um, during the war, Alan was getting letters from a college friend or acquaintance who was working at Worthington Foods and said, before you go anywhere, please come to us after you get out of the war. He did. And um, loved Worthington Foods and the community, went back with his wife to get his mother-in-law, came back, and they never left. So they've always been very committed to the nutritional and the wellness aspect. Um, Harding Hospital still today was officially, you know, focuses on that alternative. Um, I finally got to meet the executive director there, and she's amazing. But the hospital was actually taken over in the 90s or there was a partnership in the 80s and 90s with the OSU Medical Center and then officially became part of OSU in 1999 and then early 2000s moved down to OSU Medical Center where it is today. Um, Worthington Foods uh, was purchased by the Kellogg brother by the Kellogg Corporation in 1999 um, the plant that was built by Worthington Foods in in Zanesville is still operating under Kellogg. So it's been, it's just this cycle of wellness, nutrition, Kellogg, food, Harding, Buller, and that whole, f- the four corners of where I am located are just screaming harder. Harding, enrich in their history. Well, as mm. as the only person at this table that actually was born in and grew up in Columbus, Needless to say, we grew up thinking Harding Hospital is for, you don't want to go there. It's for people, you don't want to be sick that way, you don't want to go there. It never really hit, I think, our community uh, about the basis of supporting mental health from a medical standpoint with all of the other holistic therapies that the Hardings brought in. I don't think people realize that until the whole issue of Worthington Foods and Morningstar became, and and vegetarianism Mm -hmm. became more prevalent. Those kinds of, as those issues became um, more well-known, that's when people saw the the connection to the Harding family. Um, So it, and I think you and I talked about the Kellogg's, I come from a higher ed background, and the Kellogg Foundation is critical in higher education. They were critical to dealing with issues in the universities across the country. Mm. So, um, gosh, kudos to both all those families. Oh, I know. It, it's just amazing. And some days I just sit at my desk looking out the window because I'm on the second story of the house, of uh, the White House that's been, like I said, sitting there since 1925. And I'm like, how did I get here? You know, everybody is affected by mental health in mm-hmm. one way or another. 
and just the challenges that we have seen over the past three years have really pushed us over the mental health epidemic. Um, there's a lot of individuals and a lot of children that are in crisis, and we're trying to find ways that we as a foundation can help build those gaps mm-hmm. and, and fill in um, to what's needed. And we're going to get to those gaps yep. in a second, but before we jump there, you mentioned that the Harding Hospital entity moved to Ohio State's campus, um, but there's still programs going on at the what had been the Harding mm-hmm. Hospital location. And for listeners who are not familiar with Columbus or not familiar with the Worthington area, we're talking about east of High Street from downtown Worthington Correct. on Dublin Granville Road, mm-hmm. which is one, 161 before you get to 71. So that's Correct. that's the location. There is There are the railroad tracks, right? the bridge. So if you're going east, there's the last light before you get to the railroad tracks. Um, and if you're coming west from 71, you go under the railroad tracks in that first light right, right there. Hospitals on the south, you're on the well, north. And on the south is actually boundless now. They work with individuals um, with, uh, that are developmental, developmentally delayed, I'm sorry. And um, they have great programming. And it's interesting because the first time that I went onto the old site, I'm looking around and they have all these little plaques underneath trees. And Jody Bopp, their uh, director of development, vice president of development, um, I'm like, what are those from? Well, Hardings in the past used to do a big Arbor Day celebration. So they would get donations to plant trees, and the plaques still remain there. And there's still some actual parts of, like, stones and bricks that they had laid. The original building that I spoke of, the lodge, actually burned down, I think, in the 70s in there's an A-frame building that was um, built in its place that still stands today. So the foundation is based in large home on East Dublin Granville Road, like we talked about, um, across from the old Harding Hospital. Now, um, it was part of Harding family history, as you mentioned. Um, are there plans for future programs there? That's a great question, Brett. I, that's all I, I have. <laughs> That's all you had. No, and, and it's funny. That's all I so, gave him to say. <laughs> there you go. We've learned from our past history. Yeah, yeah. No, it is actually. So when I was brought in, I was brought in to create purpose, structure, uh, sustainability. And one of the things, and I spoke of Mary Virginia, who I think is my guardian angel there. I continuously see um, cardinals flying mm-hmm. by. And every now and then when I'm like, one kind of lands in front of my window. So I'm like, all right, somebody's here encouraging me. One of the big plans is to turn that site into horticulture therapy. Um, When I started with the foundation, we did not have, like I said, a purpose of funding. Um, In December of last year, we, the board approved uh, the different funds. So we have, of course, unrestricted funds. We have, the Dr. George Harding IV um, Mental Health Fund. We have the Alan and Mickey Buller Nutritional Wellness Fund. We have the Mary Virginia Woolley Harding Horticulture Program Fund. And then we have the Harding House Fund. So with the horticulture program, Richard, again, the son of Mary Virginia and George III, 
said in the 50s, they went to Williamsburg. Oh. And when they came back, they their mother created gardens based on what's there. Mm-hmm. So when you come to the house, you can see the outline and just the way that she had these gardens develop. She had a lot of cutting gardens. Um, one of my plans with this property is creating a meditation labyrinth, um, creating meditation gardens, um, using this site truly as a community to come. And, you know, you just have those simple things, those simple sayings um, to encourage positive mental health. Mm-hmm. And partnering, you know, potentially with students. Right across the street, um, my board member, Greg Sini, uh, who is the partner and one of the owners of Kemper House, which is memory care. And I'm like, that would be a great, you know, fall in and relationship to continue building there. We also have around the corner, back in the 30s, the Hardings started the Worthington Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church there is probably one of the largest congregations and pretty well known to the Ohio Conference of the Seventh-day I look at it, they're very similar to the structure of the Catholic Church, that they own all their properties. So they started building the church, um, and along that way, they decided they needed that nonprofit sector to help raise funds. So they actually went to the Ohio Conference and asked permission to start a church corporation. So this church corporation, which became part of us in in 2018, was founded and is, is one of two only allowed in the state of Ohio. So again, the Hardings had a lot of, <laughs> you know. Having a president in the in the family history is probably helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, you know, people right away think President Harding, and, and I'm like, no, it's his brother. And But the Seventh-day Adventists, um, so... There's a street called Griswold Wright Press, Press Proprietors um, where the church and then the first school was built. Um, then in the early 2000s, there's the WSDA, Worthington Seven Day Adventist Church. The new one was built across the street from the Harding House on East Dublin Granville Road. And then the original church is now all the school. Hmm. So they have a K-8 program, and I want to say they have right around 100 students. So it's it's a great being and part of the history because again, the Hardings helped to start this all. Right. Yeah. Mm, so I, I think we skirted around a little bit when we're talking about the the goal, the mission of what the of the Harding family, the church, and and the um, foundation to foster spirituality, mind, body, soul. Actually, so that is probably a very old mission. Okay. Okay. When I started, we we're still we're in the process of developing now still a strategic plan, and we didn't have our true vision, mission, vision, core values, tagline, and the funds. Um, so our mission now is to continue our legacy by empowering individuals to live a spiritual, holistic, and healthy lifestyle. And that is truly encompassing. And, it, and it's interesting because when I talk with board members, some board members and others in the community, when you ask, and I can ask a question to you too, 
what does spirituality mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, right. you're both going to have, might have a similar answer, but could have a different, you know, you have those that go to religion, those that go to the mind, body, and soul, which, you know, is still part of religion. So it's interesting take when you hear people answer what spirituality means to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There was a recent poll done um, talking about who's going to church and who's not and how you label yourself. And I know the numbers of folks going to church are down, but the number of people feeling spiritual mm-hmm. is up. So again, it lays back to that, what's the definition of spiritual, mm-hmm. whether it's b- believing in a larger being or they're just, they were in tune with themselves being sp- spiritual all a good thing, and there's like, it just comes down to what you believe and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But to that point, yeah, mm-hmm. what's what's your definition of spiritual? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and you know, you're looking at the holistic aspect. That's that even opens a whole different door mm-hmm. because you know the Reiki Center in, in mm-hmm. on Fifth Avenue near Grandview. They they're participating in some of the things we do, but you're looking at a whole different spiritual aspect there and. This gives people an opportunity to share truly what they believe. Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong with who we are. We just want to encourage everybody to live their best, healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've kind of churned through that development of a mission vision statements. Then in this new position, you really had to sort of think about, okay, what are the community needs? Um, how do we clearly outline what the issues are and understand what people need in Central Ohio? Tell us about that initial evaluation of the foundation and how the foundation has served the community, and then you created a task force to find out where the gaps are. She has done her homework. <laughs> I I taped that our conversation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, and that and that's what's interesting because trying to create this basis, trying to create the structure and move the organization along has been very interesting. Um, you know, looking at the pandemic, I've a lot of information that's been shared with me, a lot of stories that I've seen is people are are lost. People, you know are struggling with their mental health and especially our children. So we, as I was developing and working with people, Christina Renzelli Mm -hmm. is one of my partners in crime and she's helped me facilitate this. I started talking and saying, what do we need? What do we need? And one of the big things, the big word that came was community. How do we rebuild community? How do we bring people together? And, and this is, from individuals who spend more time on their smartphone texting than talking. Is that correct? Probably, yes. Yeah. Yes. But a lot of professionals, too, in in the coaching, the spiritual, the holistic, the nutrition, the wellness, it came back to how do we build community. So I'm like, why don't we do a think tank? Why don't we bring people together um, to just chat and talk about what what the issues are. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the first one in last month and it was an hour of half of conversation. And I was well represented from the different sectors in the population. Um, 
a small diversity group, which, you know, we planned, you know, I had a few people, of course, planned to be there, but couldn't. But the conversation was gray. It was not black or white Mm -hmm. like we see today. And I think that's a lot of what we're missing is that gray area that, and I've seen it, just because we disagree doesn't mean I hate you. And that's what we need to go back to. So we we had some great discussions and I did a poll and they identified their each individual top three issues and then looking at, you know, what the gaps of service are. But when you look at the top individual issues, the major one was community and the second one was our youth. You know, the concerns for their development and being home and social skills and just the ability to catch up on that work that was lost. Um, It's kind of scary and it's kind of interesting and it's kind of positive to see how resilient kids are, most of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the kids have done incredibly well given the challenges they've had over the past three years. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're doing the next step next Thursday and we'll be talking, but I've been trying to identify from what what's missing. And one of the things that, that in the past the Harding Fuller Foundation used to do was a speaker series. And I'm like, okay, let's make this relevant. And, you know, I looked into TED Talks and TED Talks are very restrictive on what you can do. You mm-hmm. can't have questions and answers. You can't, you know, there's certain things you can't do. Okay. So what we came up with, and we'll be discussing more about this, is community health chats with the Harding Buller Foundation. Um, they're going to be hosted at the Peggy R. McConnell Art Center in Worthington, who's become a huge partner and great supporter of the foundation. And likewise, um, the foundation has always supported uh, the art center. But these are going to be an opportunity for individuals to come in and talk about where in your life did you pivot? Or mm-hmm. Did that change come and you realized you needed to do something different to get you to where you are today? Um, we're also, so we have the two, first two for September 19th and October 17th. Um, the second one will be with the Harding Hospital, their STAR program. And I can't remember what the acronym is, but they work with trauma and resilience in individuals that have faced trauma in some sort in their way. So they're going to be talking about alternative ways to cope to help you get to that point because we are seeing and hearing people are waiting up to a year to get the mental health care they need. Mm-hmm. The hospitals, children hospital, I, I guess they're, you know, months just to get in, you know, to have your child admitted. But what do you do in the meantime when you know your child and your child has come to you and said, I need help in that first appointment? What do you do in the meantime? So mm-hmm. we're going to be providing a variety of different platforms. Um, I have an individual I'm working for with next year. Um, Emma, 
Mm-hmm. Brett knows who she is. Mm-hmm. She worked at Cohatch, was our um, community manager there. I'm going to work with her to talk about her experience. And, you know, she was adopted from Vietnam and she just truly, her development and what changed in your life to get to where you are. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of successes that we can bring in, but it's also an opportunity for conversation. And that's what I want to create. Let this person express, let this person talk about what they're, you know, they're there to share with these individuals. And then let's have that discussion. Let's do Q&A and see where we go. It, it seems that part of the issues with the mental health situation with young people is that they don't, they can't, because mental health keeps you from seeing past the issue you have today, they don't see that there is light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. that they can, as an individual young person, make change in their lives, get the resources and support they need, have a positive path forward, and get out from the dark places. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like that's, we're, we're doing a piecemeal job of getting that information to kids. Yeah, and, and here's here's the thing. You know, our children are struggling and they're, we're all in a crisis. But the parents, we need to work with the parents to say, it's okay. Hug your child. You know, try to be understanding. But how do we get the parents the support they need to better understand what their child is going through? Um, your, fa- your friend Mary. Yeah, we have to give a shout out to my friend Mary Rykowski, who's the principal at Worthington's Evening Street School, one of the greatest people. Yes, she and I met a few Mondays ago, and we only had a half hour, but it felt like we've known each other for years. Mm -hmm. And and she shared some stories and the struggle and how parents are coming in and talking with her on how to help their child. So we need to get that support for parents too. Mm-hmm. And, and when a child says, you know, I need help in so many words or how to identify what's going on with your children um, really is going to be an important part. Okay. Yeah. So we've talked about the gaps. <laughs> I think we probably know the answer to this, but I want to ask it. Are we needing more funding, more education of community members or just more available services or a combo of all all of those. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yeah. yes so yes. how do you how do you prioritize that then? You know, because is it a domino effect that one if you attack one, maybe the rest fall in play, or is it a is it a a, a complete front? You have to work on all of those. I think you have to work on all of them okay. simultaneously okay. and know who your audience is and when okay. which one is appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a lot of funding issues in, you know, building those resources for us. But looking at, you know, the hospital, the services, you know, one of my board members is a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And he said, part of the problem is the paperwork you have to do before you can even talk to a patient is a huge hurdle to get over. And so how do we provide this, get the services to improve, but yet become more available is the big challenge. Um, I think there's a shortage 
of services. You know there's a shortage. You know there's a shortage of, yeah. shortage yeah. of services, if I can yeah. say that correctly. But there's alternative. So educating individuals and people on the alternatives to getting to where you were, waiting for that appointment, mm-hmm. and you know, trying that, just that alternative, holistic way of looking yeah. at things. So and, there's also not only an, a, a a loss or, or a, a need for more services. There's a need for more professionals. Right. Yes. I mean, I think that's in in all of our healthcare, yeah. we are in dire need of more professionals in the many layers of. Uh, Healthcare professionals. Yeah, I can't. I heard how many professional physicians and staff there are at Harding. I can't remember the number, but even even it's like twenty thirty. They're still hurting. I mean, from Harding Hospital meeting with their executive director, she said, you know, their beds are probably at ninety five percent capacity, and there's just constantly waiting. And part of it is the insurance aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, which is scary because that could be a roadblock to, for someone to getting the services that they need. Yeah, and we've talked about this with other uh, episodes about mental health, and and uh, that of the positives that came out of COVID, one could be that the stigma of mental health is kind of going away a little bit. We're talking about it now. Where it was before, or, or maybe you're getting a different impression because you're living it every day. It feels like at least people are more open to talk about, I have a problem. Yes. Yes. They're addressing it. Yes. A bit, a bit more than it was four years ago mm-hmm. where it had a, a bit, a, maybe a, a large, a heavier stigma. I, 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 yeah. I guess I don't know how to put words to it, but it just seems like it's more of our conversation now than it ever was. And I think you're accurate when you say the stigma. And again, I'm not a professional. Right, I'm, but, I, you know, I'm a nonprofit. Sure. But you're but you're in at 365. Executive. But now. listening, yeah. listening, yeah. and hearing and sharing the information that I get, mm-hmm. the stigma is dying. Yeah, and it's okay to get help. And the struggle is there, and part of the big struggle again is the services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what can I do? Where do I go? And yeah. that's where. Yes. We're, we're behind a little bit on mm-hmm. that yet. Mm-hmm. Eventually it will be, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard the analogy of, well, if your arm's broken, you're going to the doctor, right? Well, if your health, mental health is quote unquote broken, but where do we go? Right. Which we don't, we're not, know, we're, maybe we're not quite there yet. Is it counseling? Yeah. Is yes. It, you know, exactly. the hospital. Yeah. Is it a social, you know, yeah. I know in working with Worthington schools, they are overwhelmed with the need for their students and where do they go, mm-hmm. you know? And and that is a community that has resources, information, support systems, and a fairly affluent neighbors, neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Now just think about city of Columbus. Not it, it money isn't the issue. Knowledge, the knowledge and wherewithal to go after mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. is may, maybe not there. Yeah. It, and that's, you know, it is interesting because Worthington has this overall, it's well, you know, wealthy and, but there mm-hmm. are areas, there are areas that people don't know about that are serving the low to moderate income individuals. But where do we go? Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for all the negative 
that has happened over the past three years and the effects of COVID, um, one of the good things is the stigma. We know the stigma has is going down, and I hope it continues to go mm-hmm. down. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I need help. Yep. So this kind of leads me into my next question, which is kind of a chicken and the egg, you know, which came first. So what's more important, that we understand the issues and the well-being or we fix the situation? It, it seems like we need to know what it is we're talking about, but if we don't start fixing it now, regardless of what we think we know or we don't know, we've got to start fixing I think we truly need to identify what the major issues are before we can fix anything. We know what's been happening with mental health. And I think then it's twofold that we have to continue identifying what the issues are while we're moving ahead to fix the gaps, to fix the system. Um, That's just overwhelmed with need. And it's, you know, Next week when we have this think tank, it's going to be interesting because the next step is that discussion. So as a foundation, let's go back to the basics. I mean, a foundation supports organizations mm-hmm. that, for you, promoting healthy living. Talk about some of the services and programs you're already supporting and what types of services you'd like to build relationships with vis-a-vis, hey, talk to us. Maybe we can help you. The relationships, anybody and everybody, mm-hmm. you know, the big part, it's interesting. So when I left, was leaving the chamber, I called the executive director at the Worthington chamber and I'm like, Hey Matt, I'm leaving. No, where are you going? And I purposely said Worthington and he got all excited for who? And I said, the foundation. And he paused and said, why don't I know who that is? Mm-hmm. Why don't I know them? Mm. So that has been my big step and Brett, you know, community, getting the word out, um, filling those gaps, bringing in that service and letting them know. Um, We provide grants. We, you know, raise funds to help smaller nonprofits. Um, In the past, we have helped start a program at um, OSU. Um, We've... And and that's the program that takes care of homeless youth? No, that's the trauma program, Okay, trauma and resilience. I forget what the S stands for, but it, they work with individuals that have gone through trauma in their life, their okay. special programming. Okay. And they're going to be our speaker in October, cool. so we'll okay. get more information than that. But currently, um, so Dr. George Harding IV passed away last, around this time last year, mm. um, and we did a special campaign for that, and the dollars that went to there, from there, went to the farmer's market in Worthington. The farmer's market, which would be, well, why are we providing grant funds for that? Well, they have a program that works with Linworth Alternative School to teach and educate their their students how to garden, how to cook, to take their produce and items that they create to market and sell. And so that was a huge support to them and if you're out and drive by Linworth School, you know where it is. You'll see the gardens, the community gardens that they set up. And I got to meet the kids, and they were incredible. We have had a huge partnership with the Worthington Resource Pantry, which is the food pantry up there. And they 
serve eight or nine zip codes, and I think it's like 129 square miles. And, you know, they were, it was great to have them at the think tank because, you know, a lot of it is generational, but how do we educate the generations to look at those opportunities? Um, so they had a program where DoorDash was delivering for free, and now DoorDash is charging $5 for delivery. So we help fill that gap. There is uh, the Final Third Foundation, Ben Levy, I don't know if you've met him. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, part yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a soccer foundation, soccer organization, working healthy, wellness. But they have an environmental program, which we provided $5,000 towards, um, to, again, help educate their players on healthy lifestyles, healthy living, growing your own food. And then the other partner that we've had for several years is the Cancer Support Community Center. Um, it was originally started out as Gilda Radner's foundation. What was her husband's name? Gene Wilder okay. mm-hmm. started the foundation after she died. And this has grown into in the need. They work with individuals that are going through treatment. They work with survivors and those affected by cancer. I mean, it can be caregivers to teach them mindfulness, wellness, good nutrition. So it's a perfect part. Um, But yeah, so those are the the main ones that we did this year. And looking at programming, you know, we're doing the community chats, um, looking at other ways to get people to know our mission Mm -hmm. and who we are and the purpose that we're there. And, yeah. and so if, if an organization has a good idea mm-hmm. that they think would help promote healthy living, mental wellness, um, what do they do? Contact you directly? Correct. Executive Director at H. Harry B. Boy F. Frank W. Worthington.org. So Executive Director at HBFW.org um, and is the best way to start. And if, if anybody wants to learn more, Come see me. I am always welcoming people to come to the house mm-hmm. and yes, visit we're going to be visiting. And, Please do. And do we have a, a notion of when your new website will be up? It's up. Oh, cool. Oh, good. Okay. It, cool. it went live about two or three weeks ago. And and the uh, URL is hbfw.org. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, <laughs> we still have some work. We still have some things to do, but. And no, website, websites are never done. The, we know that. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. know that. Well, and, and listeners, too, we're going to have all of this information in our show notes mm-hmm. uh, with other community resource resources that are available to you. Um, a, an important message that I think we need to leave our audience with is that there is hope. Mm-hmm. There are services and programs that are available not just here but around the country. Um, can you provide us with some suggestions for individuals who are um, in central Ohio, who may need assistance from a mental health program. Wow, that's such a huge, huge answer in so many ways. One of the things that we're working on is with our website is trying to create that resource page Mm -hmm. to the different resources available. That doesn't exist already. Not that I know of. Really? That's interesting. We're trying to become the organization that's the go-to organization for the resources. Yeah, yeah. 
look into Harding Hospital, and I'm not saying that because they're, you know, they're our history, but they have a lot of resources. Look at their STAR program, um, trauma program. Look, just reach out. If you are a parent, talk to your school principal, talk to social workers. If you're a religious person, talk to your pastor, talk to your faith-based community. Um, there is always going to be someone there who knows. And for those that are approached, if you aren't sure what to do or how to help, find help this person, help these people find a resource in your community that can help build and move them forward to better mental health. Right, because it may not just be that they don't know, but they may feel such burdened by the situation, they're really just not able to take that step. Mm -hmm. So if somebody does ask you for help, please follow through. And, but, but the simplest way is just listen. Sometimes we need to vent. Sometimes we need that person to talk to that we can share the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And just vent and not want an answer back. Mm-hmm. Be a listener. Right. We always end with words of wisdom, like you haven't had tons of them already through this through this episode. Um, I, I almost hesitate to ask that because what you just said is <laughs> words of wisdom there. But I think you've brought a lot to the table, and, I, and hopefully the listener of this episode thinks differently mm-hmm. about what's going on. As Carol said, there's hope. There's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of organizations along with the foundation are just bubbling under the surface that we may not even know about, but it's good stuff happening. But what would you want to leave the, the, the listener with? Don't be afraid to ask. Have that conversation. If you're in the conversation, listen. You will know if somebody truly needs that help. Help them find their way. And don't be afraid. It's okay. Mental health stigma is going away. It's okay to say, I need help because of this. Many thanks to our expert, David Polakowski. Executive Director of the Harding Bueller Foundation of Worthington for joining us today. And just because we really wanted David to come and say hi and have a good time with us. So thank you so much for your time. And of course, and you know, anytime, just a chat even, I can come sit in the chair and, oh, not, okay. and not record. We can just <laughs> sure. talk, you know, like we did for about a half hour before. Yeah, but all of our listeners are going to want to know what gossip we're floating around this table. It's all quality conversation. Exactly, it is. <laughs> listeners, thank you for joining us. And do not forget to check our show notes on the website for contact information and resources that we've discussed today. You can find all of this information on our website at lookingforwardourway.com. And we're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this and any of our podcast episodes.